0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. In a result that likely would shock many Americans, a poll shows that Generation Zers, that is those born, they should be about 18 to 24 years of age, are actually siding with the Hamas terrorists and want To end Israel. The poll is from the Harvard Center for American Political Studies and revealed a majority of Generation Z voters claim that Jewish people and white people are all oppressors. Well, 73% of all respondents said the Hamas terror attacks on Israel, in which terrorists butchered some 1,400 Israeli civilians, were genocidal, A full 60% of those making up the Generation Z subgroup thought the brutal massacre, which included burning whole families alive and beheading babies, was justified by the grievance of Palestinians. Where does it all lead? That's what we want to look at here today on Viewpoint as we approach the end of another year and head toward the beginning of 2024, which many are seeing as more problematic, more troubling than 2023. We want to focus exclusively on the issue of Israel and uh, the Gaza War and the attitudes of the American people, the attitudes of world citizens, and why those attitudes are there, and what do they mean. You see, it's one thing to take polls all over the world. It's one thing to have a bunch of statistics to look at. It's another thing to understand what they mean, and the import from God's viewpoint. You say, well, what right do you have to speak for God? Well, let's put it this way. I'm going to only and only do attempt to speak what he says, what he says in his word. And then we take the facts, we take the information, and we apply what God says to the information, and then you can make your own decision. That's right. You can make your own decision, which you will, because a man convinced against his will would certainly be of the same opinion still. So we're going to take a look at that because this, by the way, is the single most important issue that is facing our world in the transition from 2023 to 2024. That's not to diminish the situation there in Ukraine. It's not to diminish uh, the economic issues in the United States or overall, all over the world. But this is the fulcrum issue. Why would it be reasonable to say that this is the fulcrum issue It's because God says it's the fulcrum issue you say well how do you know that because that's what the Bible says in fact God going all the way back to the beginning uh, with his covenant with Abraham that he called out of Ur of the Chaldees to make him the father of many nations said to him that uh, he was going to make a covenant with him, that in him would all the nations or peoples of the earth be blessed. He also gave Abraham the meets and bounds, that is, the legal description in broad terms, of the land that is became known as the promised land that would be given to his physical descendants, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the physical descendants of Ishmael. And so because the Arab world and the Muslim world claims errantly that the Bible was miswritten, mistranslated, and that it should have said that uh, the inheritance from Abraham was to go through Ishmael, they therefore have held a grievance for 3,000 years against the Jewish people. And that grievance is not going to go away because... The Pope says it should, or because the American president says it should, or because the collection of many in the European uh, Union say it should, it's not about what people say it should. It's about what God says, isn't it? So then how is it that we justify that From the Jerusalem Post report, four in five U.S. Christians See, a two-state solution to the Israeli-Hamas war. How can they say that? Because that would require giving up to Hamas land that God already decreed was to be part of the inheritance of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Jewish people for all time. You see, we really don't agree with what God says, do we? No, we allow our feelings and our attitudes to supersede what God has said. We have our reasons, but then God has his reasons, too. And we just don't align with God's reasons. And that's why you can have a poll now that tells us that four out of five, that's 80% of U.S. Christians, see a two-state solution to the Israeli-Hamas war. Eighty-one percent of U.S. Christians believe in a two-state solution. Eighty-eight percent say that Israel has the right to determine their statehood and government. But 76 percent said that Palestinians have the same right, and therefore they're going to agree with disagree with God that we must, therefore, resolve this issue by giving the Palestinians a state that's carved out of the land that was forever deeded to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I welcome you to Viewpoint friends. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always with ever increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and today we're going to put attempt to put all of this in a broader perspective by looking at the attitudes and the information that comes in from around the world. Now, we get a visceral expression of that when we hear anecdotal events such as this one that came out of Montana. A woman was arrested after driving her car through a religious group of protesters in Montana. This came from a statement from the Billings Police Department there in Montana. The woman drove her car repeatedly through a group of protesters who were identified as Israelis for Christ. Now, this brings in a novel piece of information. Israelis for Christ. Jewish people for Christ. So apparently this woman was very upset about that. She was 55 years of age. And then after she... Uh, drove her vehicle directly into this group of religious protesters. She fled the scene, was later arrested by authorities, and charged with eight counts of felony assault with a weapon, i.e. her car. So, uh, we're not here to try the case on viewpoint, but apparently it was, at first people thought this was just an accident. But then when she drove back and forth, Seemingly trying to hit these people, they realized this was no accident. So she was trying to hit a group of Jewish Christians who were protesting. Probably protesting the anti-Jewish or anti-Semitistic information that was being advanced by others. Just an illustration, we'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint
1: on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint as we head in toward a new year. I hope you all had a wonderful time in remembering the birth of Christ, but it appears that Just as there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn when they arrived in Bethlehem, there is no room for the descendants of Mary and Joseph and Abraham in Bethlehem today. No room in the inn because Hamas, the Muslim terroristic leadership, has made it impossible. In fact, all over Gaza, southern Israel, into Egypt, into Iran, into Iraq, into Syria, places where Christians, true followers of Jesus Christ, were formerly in considerable numbers. They have been driven out by Muslim leadership in all of those nations so that there is only a very small remnant left. And the same is true of the Jewish people, as with the Jewish people, so with the Christians, being driven out because they don't have any room in the inn for a people who God says were a chosen people. No room in the inn for them. How dare you uh, latch on to what the Bible says about a chosen people? What's wrong with us, say the Arabs? What's wrong with us, say the Muslims? What's wrong with, and you can add any other people group in there. But the whole world is carrying that same animus toward Jews and increasingly toward Christians. It's everywhere. So the events of 2023, beginning with, shall we say, the intense focus erupting out of the October 7th attack by Hamas has actually catapulted our world prophetically down the track to a far more distant place in the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And that's what we need to understand as we go through all of these reports, the polls, the statistics, and so on. Otherwise, we get lost in the numbers. I don't want you to get lost in the numbers. The numbers will only serve a purpose to us if we have the greater understanding under our belts and in our hearts and minds. Now, from the Jerusalem Post, the report that four out of five, 80% of U.S. Christians see a two-state solution to the Israel-Hamas war, they say that the survey suggests that the majority of modern American Christians Appear to prioritize peace for both sides over the end of days aspiration. In other words, over what the Bible prophetically says is going to happen and is supposed to happen from God's viewpoint. Now, I find that fascinating. The Jewish, the the, uh, Jerusalem Post is making this statement. It appears American Christians, putting it another way, don't really value so much what God has said in his word as to what their feelings are dictating is how they want this resolved. In other words, make us feel good, they say. That's the way American Christians are dealing today. It's not about truth. It's not about what God has said. It's not about how to endure persecution, anti-Semitism, those things which God says you're going to have to endure. No, we don't want to endure those things because we're told that our feelings have to take first authority in our lives. Feelings must superimpose themselves over our faith and therefore feelings become Lord. That's what this statistic is telling us. Christians are not so much attached to the authority of god and his word they're attached more to their feelings and if their feelings happen to align with what they think the bible says that's cool but if their feelings differ from what they think the bible says what the bible says has to be dismissed and their feelings have to become lord are you beginning to get get the picture So we move forward. The Jerusalem Post makes this observation again in another article. The bond between Israel and global Jewry is stronger than ever. Throughout the war, an ongoing and noteworthy awakening is taking place among world Jewry and other supporters of Israel. I agree with that. People are taking their sides. They're taking their positions. And it takes an event like the attack of Hamas on October 7th to choreograph the world, to get the attention of the world, to respond and see what's really happening. And it has. And the world would never again be the same. Just as it has not been the same since the 9-11 attack in September, 9-11, neither will it be the same after October 7th. And almost every world leader recognizes that. So this is deemed to be a fulcrum moment for the world. Not just for 2023, but for the whole world and its history. That's why we're talking about it here today. It is the number one issue the world is facing. Everything else falls away as a distant second or third or fourth. Then, the Jerusalem Post, in that article, said this unity, that the, the war has driven peoples, Jews and Gentiles, and factions of Jews together toward a shared purpose and a determination, and especially powerful in light of the realization that the Jewish people have a sovereign state. Which means, friends, this is leading us now to something that has not happened in a significant way before. And that is that people's Jewish peoples in the Western world are now even the more so considering making their return, or Aliyah, to Israel. This has been God's promise and his purpose, because he gave the land to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, even though he dispossessed them of the land, that is, their physical occupation of the land for 2,000 years, approximately, ever since the roman attack in 70 ad and then before that the ten northern tribes were dispersed by these assyrian armies but now god said just like i told you through my prophets isaiah and jeremiah and so on just like i told you i was going to do i'm going to bring you back he said i'm going to you're going to be disciplined for a short time we'll think about this a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. So from God's viewpoint, it's only been between two and three days since all those events happened to disperse the Jewish people throughout the world, as he had said would happen in the book of Deuteronomy, if they failed to obey his voice, which they did do over and over. So now God... Being a God of his word, contrary to Israel, not being a people of their word, is saying, no matter what you folks do, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I've given you every opportunity now. I've given you every opportunity to recognize your sin, to recognize how you have, uh, uh, well, mocked, and blaspheme my Messiah. Now, I'm going to bring you back, notwithstanding all of that, and then you're going to have to deal with my judgment against you once you get back into the land, because I'm going to bring you back into the land. So that's what he's doing. Jeremiah put it in an interesting fashion. He said, I'll send forth hunters and fishers to go and bring you from all the lands where you have been dispersed. Now, that happens through a variety of things. One of them is economic pressure, and that's what drove so many Jewish people out of Argentina uh, back to Israel. But the same is happening in other places. But anti-Semitism seems to be the bigger issue now. It's the rejection of Jewish people as a whole. They're being deemed to be not the last best hope of earth, but the the most the the most uh, uh, negative aspect toward human life uh, and peace on this planet. Coupled with Christians, Christians also are being deemed that way. So, hence the call for persecution. You see, persecution is just like anti-Semitism. Persecution to Christians, anti-Semitism for Jews. So, that is what's happening, and it's happening in spades, so to speak. The The incidence of anti-Semitism is explosive now. And one of the most explosive aspects of it is in the United States of America, whose own Emma Lazarus, the Jewish woman who penned that poem, it's inscribed on the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your hungry, your yearning masses to be free. I left my lamp beside the open door. And the whole country is radicalizing against her. Or at least the younger version of our country. And we'll focus on that in uh, just a few minutes. A very fascinating individual that you would not think would be speaking on this issue, has done so. I'm not sure how much trouble it's got him in, but uh, probably significant. And that's comedian Bill Maher. He criticized people who think that Palestinians are going to negotiate in good faith to end the war between Israel and the terrorist group Hamas. In fact, the Palestinians aim for the complete eradication of the Israeli people. That means negotiation is futile said Meyer. Wars end with negotiation, and what the media glosses over is it's hard to negotiate when the other side's bargaining position is you all must die and disappear. That's why the whole idea of uh, 80% of professing Christians in America thinking that uh, there should be peace between Israel and uh Palestinians or Hamas—it just is—it's it's a non sequitur. It doesn't fly. But it doesn't matter that it doesn't fly because if we feel that's what we want, then that's what we decide to state, notwithstanding the reality of it, and notwithstanding the fact that it's totally against what God Himself has told us was going to happen. Does God desire peace on earth, goodwill toward men? Absolutely. When will it happen? Would you like to know? Well, in broad terms, I'm going to tell you exactly when it will happen. We have two references. One is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, what government? The government of earth shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, that is when his government begins to rule, that's when we'll have peace, of of the increase increase of his government and peace there should be no end upon the throne of David to order and to establish with judgment and justice from this time forth and evermore. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, the clearest expression of the coming of the Christ child and why. Then in Luke chapter 2, we find that angels show up out of the fields outside Bethlehem And they're singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But the baby was still a baby. He's not ruling the world for peace when he's just been born, but he's been born as the prince of peace. In other words, who will become the prince of peace until he rules and reigns There will be no peace, but men will cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. That's what the prophets declared. So why do we, as Christians in America, want to supersede, put our viewpoints over what God has already said? It's amazing. We'll be back.
1: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example...
0: I think the most important of my books that would help you to understand the greater panoply of these issues uh, that we're talking about here today on Viewpoint is my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. For he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. You see, the players of our planet, the great players of our planet want to rule the world. They think... In their minds, that they're going to bring a cut, excuse me, a kind of peace. The Muslims believe they're going to bring a kind of peace when they rule the world with a bloodthirsty sword, the scimitar, and uh, they are going to bring every human being under horrendous taxation if they will submit to Sharia law. But if they will not submit to Sharia law, they will be executed, destroyed, just as Islam has done everywhere they have gone throughout the earth in order to take dominion. That was Muhammad's way, methodology, and that's how he was taking over Europe and moved very quickly with the sword. Now, you can call that peace if you want to, From the Islamic viewpoint now, see, viewpoint determines destiny. From the Islamic viewpoint, there will not be peace until Sharia law rules the world. So, who are the great engines out there, the national engines, that have the vision for ruling and choreographing the Islamic world into this world peace? Well, there are two. Iran... And Turkey. Iran and Turkey. Neither one of them are Arab. And that's why they are stirring up the issue with regarding Hamas for their own benefits. Why do you think they're doing what they do? Why, why is Iran pouring all this money into uh, Hezbollah and Hamas? and Houthis, and so on, because Iran has the vision that they are to be the rulers of the Islamic world, and by then, the, the ruler of the whole world under Sharia law. But Mr. Erdogan has the same vision to restore the ancient Ottoman Empire, so Iran wants to restore the ancient Persian Empire under Sharia law, Erdogan wants to restore the ancient Ottoman uh, Empire under Sharia law. But they can't both rule. So they are at opposite ends of their own agenda. And even within Turkey and Iran, within the Muslim world, they also have two opposing viewpoints, the Shiites and the Sunnis. And they kill each other because they want to rule the world for their group. But there's no peace. Men will cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Then there are other nations that aren't religious at all. Not really. Their motivation is economic. And they want to rule the world for their economic purposes. Others are just primarily political, want to rule the world for political power. Others are trying to rule the world by merging religious and political power outside the Muslim world. You'll read about all of those in the book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. $15. We'll put that $20 book in your hands. It's on our website Saveus.org. If you don't have the book, you really need to get it because it's going to help you to understand the greater picture of what is taking place. Then when you read and hear news, when you listen to this program, you'll have a much greater understanding, a deeper understanding of the forces both of history and prophecy that are coming to pass right in front of your eyes. Again, King of the Mountain on the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. By the way, you might want to consider getting a, a copy of that book for your pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean that. It might help him immensely in all of his ministry and his viewpoints. Just just thinking. All right, going back to Bill Maher, he said, Wars end with negotiation, and what the immediate glosses is over is, it's hard to negotiate when the other side's bargaining position is, you're all going to die and disappear. That's the position of Hamas. He said, history's sad and full of wrongs, but you can't make them unhappy. They are what they are. He said there has been no bigger colonizer in world history than the Muslim army that swept out of the Arabian desert and took over much of the world in a single century. And they didn't do it by asking. He said there's a reason Saudi Arabia's flag is a sword. And then Mar was talking about the former Palestinian Liberation Organization, leader, Yassar Arafat, who was offered by Bill Clinton 95% of the West Bank, and he said no. Now, why, he wasn't interested in compromising. He wanted to keep that whole thing an issue to stir up the rest of the world for Islam. And then using a map as a visual, Bill Mars showed how from the river to the sea chant, is a call to either kill all the Jews or move all of them out, which he said is unrealistic, all seven and a half, eight million of them. So that gives us yet another perspective coming from a very liberal voice. Then we hear another voice. This also coming as a report from the Jerusalem Post. Pope colluding with forces of evil against the Jews. That's the word of a South African rabbi. Defending Israel's right to self-defense, chief rabbi of South Africa, Dr. Warren Goldstein, accused the pope of what he called primitive pacifism, which is a pretty great term, primitive pacifism. In other words, the Pope doesn't want to be seen, doesn't we call as anti-Israel. He just wants to play a game that softens the position against everybody else that's against Israel so that he can appear to be nice. That's another way of saying primitive pacifism. Pope Francis is repeating the sins of Pius Twelfth and surreptitiously colluding with the forces of evil, said Chief Rabbi of South Africa. By denying Israel the moral right to fight this war, by comparing its just war of self-defense to the barbarism of Hamas, you repeat the same sins of Pius XII, surreptitiously colluding with the forces of evil who seek to annihilate the Jewish people. Goldstein equated Pope Francis' approach to that of Pope Pius XII during World War II, suggesting that the Pope was failing in his duty, listen to this, failing in his duty to protect both Christians and Jews from global threats. And he's absolutely right. All this Pope is interested in is building a big, shall we say, a bigger church, so to speak, under his mothering wings, even if he has to come against the Jewish people, even if he has to come against uh, conservative Christians, even if he has to come against even American uh, Catholics that are trying to hold on to the authority of Scripture, it doesn't matter to him. All that matters is primitive pacifism in order to lure the maximum number of people on the planet under his papal wings. This this, uh, rabbi in South Africa really spoke the truth to power, so to speak. Another article, Iran has turned back the clock in the Middle East. It's no secret that there's been a race taking place for years between Arab countries seeking peace, security, and stability on the one hand and what is known as the Axis of Resistance, which leads Iran to radicalize the the region and continue waves of violence and bloodshed under various titles. So the Palestinian issue is at the heart of the agenda of this Axis, which provides Iran and its agents with the cover they need whenever the opportunity arises to return things to square one. In other words, allow no progress. So, the article states, the Middle East will never be the same as it was before October 7th. Anyone who doubts this should follow what is going on in all the public arenas, whether through social media, the general climate prevailing in the Arab world. It ignited a new conflict in Gaza that's turning back the clock, Iran has succeeded in bringing back vocabulary and the concepts that had disappeared from the Arab dictionary. And it's now difficult to build expectations about the possibility of the Middle East peace train proceeding at a pace that preceded October 7th. In other words, Iran undid it all. Reasonable people in the Arab region, and to the same extent in Israel, wish to turn the page on this conflict as quickly as possible. But reality indicates that is extremely difficult. This happened in a short period, especially for the Arab and Islamic peoples to absorb. And this is because Iran has thrown new arms into the conflict, as seen in the strikes by the terrorist Houthis, and moving the region into a religious conflict par excellence. So, the Palestinian refugee crisis will worsen for years to come and will add to the crisis in the Arab region. There are no ideal conditions in this situation. But the entire globe now will be increasingly involved. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, friends. Again, you're listening to D.
1: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Welcome to our year-end analysis of 2023 as we prepare... Uh, for the turning of the clock to 2024, which many are saying will be far more tumultuous than 2023. I said some people are saying that. Many people are saying that. What will happen will happen. But we want to focus on what is happening, why it's happening, and where this kind of thing is leading and where it fits in the bigger picture of God's viewpoint which is called prophecy, biblical prophecy. So, we are going to take a look for just a quick moment at uh, some things that are happening with regard to uh, advancing anti-Semitism around the world and particularly in the Western world. And then we're going to go to the viewpoints especially uh, declared by uh, Donald Trump on the one hand, and by Carolyn Glick, a renowned senior contributing editor and senior fellow of Middle Eastern Affairs in Israel. So we begin by looking at what happened in Turkey a week ago. Turkey was deliberately chosen as the site for a meeting as it was deemed safe enough for the leaders of Hamas and Turkey to gather. They held a secret meeting last week in Turkey, and Erdogan, as you probably know, has continually used anti Israel rhetoric since the start of the Hamas war, declaring Israel guilty of war crimes. The meeting was held to coordinate Hamas's next steps in the current conflict with Israel. And earlier in the month, Turkey warned Israel of serious consequences if it tries to hunt down Hamas members living outside Palestine territories, including in Turkey. The same day, Mr. Erdogan, who wants to rule the Islamic world in a resurrected Ottoman Empire, claimed that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu will be tried as a war criminal over Israel's offensive in Gaza, referring to the Likud Party leader as the Butcher of Gaza. Now, do you think this kind of language is designed to uh bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men? No. It's designed to impress the Muslim world with the enraging power of two voices. One, Mr. Erdogan on behalf of Turkey and uh Iran's leaders on behalf of the Islamic Revolution that began in 1979 in Iran, where they indeed intend to rule the world. This article from the Jerusalem Post declares that U.S. universities are teaching their students to be anti-Semitic. If you didn't understand that, you would understand that after seeing what happened with three prominent presidents of some of the most prominent uh, secular colleges and universities in the country being questioned by Congress they made it self-evident friends then from Israel 365 news anti-semitism surges 337 percent since October 7th the highest level ever recorded particularly in the United States Jews on average in America experience nearly 34 anti-Semitic incidents every day. This disturbing trend now is worldwide. Australian Jewry, there have been a 591% increase in anti-Semitic incidents since October 7th. At a Sydney rally, pro-Palestinian protesters chanted, gas the Jews. According to the Jewish Community Security Organization, from since October 7th, there have been 2,093 anti-Semitic incidents across the United Kingdom, the highest ever total reported. Do you realize what's happening, friends? This is exactly what God said was going to happen. In fact, if you were to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, Called the blessings and the cursings, you go through the first fourteen verses, the blessings. Then God says, "But if you will not obey my voice, then all of these other things are going to happen to you." And at the end of chapter twenty-eight, He said, "In the morning you're going to be scattered throughout the earth, and in the morning you'll wish it were evening, and in the evening you'll wish it were morning, for the fear of your heart." Why? Because anti-Semitism all over the world. God told the Jewish people that was going to happen in the book of Deuteronomy just before they entered the promised land. God did not fail to warn the Jewish people. They entered into a marital betrothal agreement at Mount Sinai. Each of the parties said, I do and I will. God holds Israel to their I do's, or I will. He also holds himself to the I will. So he is keeping his side of the bargain, but Israel is not. So Israel is now being brought back through all kinds of dangers, toils, and snares, whether it's economic, whether it's anti-Semitism, whatever you want to look at, Those are the things that are bringing the Jewish people back to Israel. It happened initially from Russia, where a thousand escaped the pogroms there through a miracle of God, and now it's happening through the Western world, through Europe, and it's going to happen increasingly through America now, where the largest concentration of Jewish people still remain in any country. America now is no friend to Israel from the Jewish people's perspective. Young Americans are saying Jews are oppressors and have called their attack on Hamas genocide. So, now, we go to Donald Trump's comments. Now, he's making these statements just from an observational standpoint, having been in the position as president of the United States and looking at what is developing. He says the Middle East is totally out of control. The former U.S. president claims to be the only candidate who can promise to prevent World War III. uh, Former U.S. President Donald Trump has claimed that the current situation in the Middle East is out of control and suggested that, unlike Joe Biden, he could avert looming disaster in that region and globally, which he did, by the way, when he was in office. He warned that a catastrophe could happen in the Middle East if the situation is not handled with strength and precision. He accused the Biden administration of squandering Trump's legacy in the form of the Abram Accords, which he claimed to have made peace in the region. Under Trump, the U.S. mediated a series of normalization treaties between Israel and Arab nations. Saudi Arabia was reportedly negotiating a similar arrangement when the October 7th attack by the Palestinian militant group took place. The former president is campaigning on the claim that, under his leadership, the conflict of Middle East would not have erupted and neither would the hostilities between Russia and Ukraine. With Biden left in power for another four years after the 2024 election, he said the world faces an existential threat. He said, I think I'm the only candidate who can make this promise to you. I will prevent World War III. Now, that's his statement. I'm not making any representations concerning his statement whatsoever. That's his statement. So let's go to Carolyn Glick, a senior contributing editor of Jewish News Syndicate and senior fellow for the Middle Eastern Affairs at the Center for Security Policy in Israel. She is warning that the administration of Joe Biden is pushing for Israel to lose its terror war with Hamas. She confirms the Biden administration is working assiduously to block Israel from defeating Hamas or contending coherently or effectively with the growing existential threat it faces from Iran and Iran's Lebanese and Yemeni uh, proxies. To force Israel to stand down, President Joe Biden's top advisors are descending on Israel one after another to pressure and coerce Jerusalem to limit its military operations in Gaza, Lebanon, and the Red Sea. And it's all because of politics, she said. What does she mean by that? Well, she she said just days ago, she pointed out that it looked like Biden actually was at war with the Netanyahu government in Israel. Even Newsweek went a little further with the reporting explaining Biden was warning Netanyahu that his government was going to lose support over its stance against the Hamas terror. She explained Biden is using the United Nations Security Council to bludgeon Israel. If Israel doesn't obey what I tell them to do, the United States will permit UN Security Council resolution requiring Israel to stand down to pass, and then Israel will face international sanctions if it continues fighting she explained that Biden said Biden officials have ordered Israel to let life return to normal in Gaza. She wrote Biden and his advisors know that the term humanitarian aid to you, Gaza is a euphemism for resupply of Hamas. Then, too, she wrote Biden is forcing Israel to fight in districts populated by civilians by refusing to allow Palestinians to leave for third countries. Under Biden's limits, she said, the Israeli Defense Forces is forced to fight Hamas while Hamas terrorists are protected by human shields. Not only does this endanger the lives of Israel's soldiers unnecessarily, but given the U.S.'s additional demand that Israel limits civilian casualties to as close to zero as possible, it makes it all but impossible for Israel to win. So Biden is demanding no Israeli escalation against Iranian proxies anywhere, including Hamas, Hezbollah, Houthis, Syria, or whatever. She said Biden's work is an attempt to appease Iran by handing a major strategic victory to Iran. She said, Biden is compelling an Israeli military defeat over politics. So here's what she means. It's that Biden needs Democrats and independents in next fall's election. And many Democrats support Hamas's terror. So to win the election, Biden thinks he needs to rebuild his coalition. And he can only do this by ending the war. And he can only end the war. By forcing Israel to stand down and to lose. It's a pretty well thought out piece. A very lengthy piece from Carolyn Glick coming out from Israel today. This is where we are, friends. I believe that I have shared with you a pretty balanced report. It is coming from statistics, coming from the left and the right... It's giving the positions of all of the various personages, whether it be Netanyahu, whether it be Joe Biden, whether it be the Ayatollahs, whether it be Erdogan, whether it be the spokespersons in Israel, whether it be the statistics coming out of all of Europe or the United States. And it's proving one thing. That Israel right now is in an existential moment. No question about it. An existential moment. That means her very existence is on the line. So Benjamin Netanyahu is putting his own political stance on the line. He may lose. That is, may lose the political war in his country. But he is committed to winning the real war. Against Hamas What would you do? Well one thing we do know Is that God Is intent on fulfilling His covenant promises To Israel They're going to go through Horrible circumstances To get there As God said But he is committed To placing them In the land that he once promised To Abraham, Isaac and Jacob The whole land three to four times as large as they currently occupy figure that one out thanks for joining us get a copy of king of the mountain 15 dollars on our website saveus.org i don't think you'll be disappointed god bless be a blessing